And now, it's Health Naturally with herbalist and natural therapist, Dennis Stewart. Welcome along, Health Naturally and Dennis Stewart, always Friday. Dennis, last week's topic was just too big, too big to look at in one program. So you're back to talk weeds again today. Look, we are. It was a fascinating discussion last week about the way in which weeds are not just weeds. Mm. They're very frequently the potent medicinal herbs. And we touched on a member of that group, the stinging nettle. And I want to expand on that fascinating herb this morning and give listeners, and you too, Mark, a bit yeah. of an insight. You touched on stinging nettle a little mm. bit last mm. week and uh, we're kind of talking a little bit about some of its um, remarkable benefits. And they are remarkable both mm. herbally and homeopathically. Okay. And I'll elaborate on that in a moment. But of, of all the herbs we use, I've thought a lot about it. I would see stinging nettle being right at the top as far as having a broad spe spectrum application to many conditions that we experience herbally and homeopathically. So in terms of, of the homeopathically yep, yep, situation, yep. Um, how is it helpful there? Okay. When we talk of homeopathy, remember what I've said before on this program. Homeopathy is a system of medicine widely practised around the world, mostly by doctors, very popular in Europe, um, where the idea is that a plant or any agent that can cause uh, symptoms of disease can in fact be used to treat diseases of a similar nature when it occurs in an individual. So with reference to stinging nettle, it might interest listeners to know that when we talk in medicine about the disease called urticaria, it is named in fact after the stinging nettle. Stinging nettle is botanically known as urtica. And when you come in contact with stinging nettle, as I've done frequently, you will inevitably develop... <laughs> not, not by design, it's no, just not by, design. by happenstance. <laughs> when you come in contact with it, uh, accidentally or deliberately maybe, it will develop a rash on you normally that looks like a hive, a raised red welt that's sometimes quite itchy. And that led to this plant being used to describe a, or a spectrum of skin diseases that are referred to as hives, but more technically referred to as urticaria. So that when a person presents to a homeopathic practitioner with a skin condition where there are large wheels on the skin, red, inflamed patches that very much look like the sorts of conditions that stinging nettle would cause, very frequently a homeopath would prescribe a very, very, very attenuated a potency preparation of fresh stinging nettle as a means of subduing that form of skin disease. I've done it myself quite successfully. Now, the naming of the disease is not important. It's the nature of the disease, the observation of the disease, the characteristics of the skin condition. So we've used the term hive. That's, a, that's a, a, a one condition for which it might be used. But many forms of, say, eczema and, and dermatitis and other skin conditions are characterised by this distinct form of rash that contact with stinging nettle might cause. And so homeopaths collect the fresh herb. Now, that's the point here. Homeopaths collect the fresh herb, keeping in mind that homeopathic medications based on herbs differ from a herbalist's use of the herb because homeopathic usage is always based on the fresh herb to make what's called the tincture and subsequently the potency. And I've seen some remarkable 
turnabouts in skin conditions where I've used a homeopathic preparation of Urtica and see the condition like go like you wouldn't believe like you wouldn't believe it's interesting isn't it because in some circles mm. uh, homeopath homeopathy mm. isn't necessarily taken too seriously either is it that's correct and look that's sad and that's why I said at the beginning of this program mark that homeopathy probably is the most medically practiced of complementary medicines and in places like France and Germany and even England homeopathic medical practitioners are part and parcel of the scene. Homeopathy got itself into trouble where it started to move into concepts of, med of medication that pushed the idea of dilution to ridiculous levels. And I could talk all day about this, but the original homeopathic practitioners, particularly the British ones, were very pragmatic and used preparations based on fresh homeopathic tinctures frequently made themselves which they diluted usually in a decimal scale and that led to the reputation of homeopathy and its use particularly in skin conditions there was a british doctor called dr compton burnett very famous medical practitioner who wrote a lot of works on the use of herbs in homeopathic medicine and he was one that i read as a very young man on the stinging nettle used as a fresh plant tincture for the treating of skin conditions that very much look like a hive or a condition actually caused by the herb. I've seen that myself. I remember, just to reinforce this, as a, as a young man I was lecturing to a group on the Central Coast. Two of the students, lovely seven-day Adventist couple, had a child that suffered terribly from skin conditions and uh, we tried everything and they had tried everything. Uh, medicine offered them steroid creams but they were a little bit reserved about continuing using it. Mm. I went out to a place called Blacksland's Arm in Wollombi. I was looking for some land out there. I, I, jumped out, I jumped out of my truck at that stage. I didn't have a car. that had no money. I was only a lecturer. And I jumped out <laughs> and jumped into a patch of nettle and uh, my legs came up in, in great welts. And it suddenly dawned on me, hey, nettle may well be useful for this kid back at Gosford that has this long-term skin condition that looks very much like the welt that I've got as a result of... So we went back, and you're not going to... This is a true story. Mm -hmm. We went back. We managed to purchase uh, some homeopathic preparations from Melbourne. I think it was from Martin and Pleasance, a well-known, uh, long-standing homeopathic pharmacy. We gave that child an attenuated preparation of Urtica, that's the botanical name, I think it was Urtica 6X, went and never came back. There you go. That's true. So true we're... story. Good afternoon, Ray. You're at Curry, and you have a question for Dennis on stinging nettles today. Yeah, look, I, um, I've always been around the bush of, uh, over the years, and stinging nettles have never bothered me. They, um, they, don't, they don't give me welts or much redness, but... Good. A bit on my um, around my fingers and that. When I go out the bush, I grab one and slap it all over me, yeah. my knuckles and yeah. that, and it seems to take the pain of arthritis away for a bit. Look, that is one of the oldest and most well-known uses of the stinging nettle. It's very, very popular, particularly in Scandinavian countries, where they frequently, after a sauna, 
will get a bunch of stinging nettle and, and belt, belt the knees and the wrists or whatever other part they can find. And it's a well-known technique and there is a bit of an explanation to it that I'll not go into, but stinging nettle contains some fairly powerful chemical constituents in its crude green state. And there is an argument that suggests that when a joint is lashed with stinging nettle, and I'm not suggesting, by the way, listeners, that you, you go ahead and do this, but when it is lashed, it sort of sets up, if you like, almost a steroidal response that sees some reduction in inflammation around the joint. That might sound a little bit left field, but there is an explanation, and it is a very popular, very popular technique for those that know about it, um, to just get a bit of stinging nettle, um, play with it, put it on the joint. Very similar, by the way, to the way in which some beekeepers will put a bee on the joint or the knee or the wrist and will get some relief from arthritic, uh, arthritic pain. The principle, I suggest, is pretty well the same. So, uh, look, uh, good on you. Yeah, well, I, you know, I've done it plenty of times yes. in front of me, mate, mate, yes. when we've been away yes. up in the bush yes. and that, and they yes. think that they think they, I've got something wrong with me. Do that. Do that. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're in front I of the crowd. How could you do that? <laughs> you're, you're in front of the crowd, mate. But the other thing, of course, is that um, there's an old saying, grasp the nettle. Now, what that means is that you, when you go to handle a nettle, uh, you can, in fact, arguably negate a lot of the sting or the unpleasantness by grabbing it and crushing it. And that's when the term grasp the nettle came and you don't just brush past it. If you want to negate the discomfort, the idea is to just grab it and, and you break all the little prickles that um, otherwise would give you the discomfort. I'm not suggesting, by the way, that listeners do that, but I can go through a nettle patch and not get particularly disturbed. But let me just say that there are a couple of species of nettles in Australia. One is the small, the small leaf nettle, known as Urtica dioica, and the other one is the big leaf nettle, known as Urtica urens. Now, the big leafed nettle has a big, big sting. So you may well have been uh, playing around with the little nettle, Urtica dioica, which grows prolifically round the Hunter and the old North Road up round uh, uh, North Rothbury. Uh, as you go across the creek there, um, there's a lot of nettle growing on the bank and it is the small leaf nettle, which I occasionally go and visit and get some of it and convert it into a medication. But no, good on you. The nettle is a very... Uh, despised uh, herb, very much maligned. But you've demonstrated a folk use of it. A lot of people might also be interested to know, and I think I mentioned this last week, that the nettle's always been used in Anglo countries as a pot herb. People have boiled it up as a vegetable uh, with other constituents such as rice, etc., and it's proven to be a very useful vegetable, particularly in times of distress, as in the Depression, where it was used as a pot herb with another herb known as fat hen, particularly, as I mentioned last week, in the high country of New England. Of course, Dennis, uh, there is the old other adage too, just do it till it stops working. <laughs> if it works, do it. No? <laughs> right, it's enough. not a medical, you know, thing, but if it works, it works. Good on you, Ray. Good afternoon, Darren. You've got a different question for Dennis. Uh, there at Mayfield, you've got something going on with turmeric. G'day, Dennis. How Hello. are you going on? How are you, I'm mate? on the tumor. Um, very well, thanks. I'm, I'm on the tube. Thanks to you, you Good. put me onto it. Good. I'm taking it twice a day yes. with um, the pepper and the um, apple cider vinegar. Yes. <coughs> I'm feeling benefits already, just little niggles, little pain niggles yes. are gone. But I'm taking it before I go to 
bed the second time I mm-hmm. take it just before I go to bed. Do, do, do you advise that? Oh, look, I think it's, it's horses for courses. Um, I, can, yeah. I can see no reason why uh, it shouldn't be taken prior to going to bed. The only thing that I might say is that uh, it might have a little bit of stimulus associated with it. Many spices, things like ginger and capsicum, have a, an effect on, 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 on circulation. Uh, it, there might be a sense of warmth or stimulus coming from it, but I would suggest that that, that would be very, very minimal. And if you're, comf- yeah. if you're comfortable with it, uh, what's the difference? It's a food. See it as a food. Right. It's a it's a medicinal food, and therefore yeah. it's very safe. And uh, if you take the right amount of it, as you seemingly are, in a convenient yeah. way, in my opinion, it doesn't matter when you take it. Karen at Rutherford, uh, you've got some questions for Dennis in and around menopause and hot flushes. Yes, correct. How are you, Dennis? I'm very well, Karen. How are you? Good. Just ringing up, inquiring. Now I'm going through that horrible menopause yes, yes. every 40 minutes I would get like a, a hot flush that comes mm. from the chest all the way up to the oh, head dear, and dear, the dear. wet yes. is there any, there is breast cancer in my family yes. is there anything natural that you know doesn't sort of mimic create problems yes okay look that's a good question um, my response would be this that uh, when I treat or uh, help women with this condition, um, I mentioned to them that there are a number of preparations and some work for some women, some mm-hmm. don't work as well. So I will give you a, a couple here that are worthwhile uh, trying um, okay. and, uh, and, and give them a go. None of them are expensive. Now, okay. one, of them, one of them is a homeopathic preparation and you probably heard me talk earlier about homeopathy which uses herbs and other substances in very very minute or dilute preparations to treat conditions that it in fact is capable of causing and one of those herbs is a herb called sanguinaria I'll spell it for you S-A-N-G-U-I-N-A-R-I-A sanguinaria and that is the botanical name for the for the herb known as bloodroot now, okay. sanguinaria has a reputation of being very useful for addressing, addressing the particular symptoms that you have mentioned. That is a sense of heat moving up from the chest and overwhelming the face and the scalp and bringing with it frequently perspiration. Some of my best results, interestingly, have been in recommending a sanguinaria homeopathic preparation in what's called the 6C potency right okay now um you'll have to fish around i uh, can't mention on uh, pro- the program where you can get it but compounding pharmacists health food stores herbalists and homeopaths um, would more than likely stock preparations of sanguinaria if you can't look at our two and our website and we may be able to help you there with uh, information further but it's a a very very popular remedy and i've had some of my best results using that homeopathic preparation and i'll say it slowly sanguinaria 6c it comes in tiny little what are called pillules you don't even taste it now if it's going to work it's usually a fairly prompt uh, way of uh, getting a result if you're not getting a result reasonably quickly it's not for you 
Now, the other, okay. the other thing that I have mentioned again and have seen some surprising results um, is the use of a herb known as red sage. Now, red sage is botanically known as Salvia officinalis, and it is the most popular herbal tea used in France and, I suspect, other parts of Europe for women working through the menopause. Keep in mind that in European countries, the use of the herb is more spontaneous and much more part of the culture than what it is in, in our society here. So many people that I've recommended uh, the use of red sage uh, tea, uh, a couple of cups of that tea a day, have claimed that that has given them a significant degree of relief sufficient for them to work through this period of, of uh, hormonal change. So two preparations, uh, neither of them expensive, Sanguinary, the homeopathic preparation, 6C in pillules, and the use of sage tea. Believe it or not, you can get the herb in little packs from your pharmacy, from your health food store, certainly, if not the supermarket. And the normal way of using it, uh, well, I've always recommended it, is a teaspoonful of the crushed or powdered herb, put into a coffee cup, pour on boiling water, must be boiling water, let it stand until it's lukewarm, strain the infusion and use the tea uh, while it's still warm. A couple of cups of that per day is worthwhile trying. There are two simple things to use before we recommend other proprietary products that are in our pharmacies and health food stores. Good luck with all of that, Karen. And Andrew at Bolwara, you've got uh, something for Dennis also around stinging nettles today. Yeah, this is more a, a precautionary tale um, around stinging nettles, um, which probably shows the uses they shouldn't be put to. Um, I'm a surveyor by trade, and mm. back in the day, we used to do a lot of work out in the bush, yes. and we always had a, an assistant with us called a chainman. Yes. And one day, we were out um, near Gloucester, I think, from memory, mm. and the chainman halfway through the day said, he need to go to the toilet. Oh, and okay. He, we, we, we were nowhere near where he could use those sort of facilities. So I said, here's a shovel. Go off down the bush there and clean it up after yourself. And we looked through the car and there was no toilet paper in there. So I said, look, just grab some leaves and use that to wipe yourself off. Anyway, five or ten minutes later, I hear it. Down the bush and, a lot of screaming. And, and a lot of screaming. And he proceeded to find some nice big leaves that um, were stinging nettles to, to wipe himself with. They finished the job, so to say. Oh, mate, if that's a fate worse than death, because what, what, what you'd probably say that that was a burning ring of fire. <laughs> it probably was, I'd say. He looked, he looked very uncomfortable the rest of the trip home, and after that we never were short of toilet paper well, in the car. There, there's a simple solution to that. In, 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 uh, in our system of medicine and certainly in folklore, the argument is if you get stung with the, the stinging nettle, Look for that herb which is frequently accompanying it, which is the yellow dock. And yellow dock is a prolific herb. Every every ditch, every waterway would have uh, the, the yellow dock growing in it. And the leaf of the yellow dock, if wiped over the area where the sting has occurred, will pretty well quickly neutralise it. There you go. Again, a cautionary tale. We it were warned, indeed. Dennis. It is indeed. We were warned. Good afternoon, Barb at Coal Point. You've got some questions for Dennis today. Hi, how are you going, Dennis? I'm very well. How are you? Uh, I could be better. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm on too much medication. Oh, dear, dear. Well, you must, um, you must need to be. 
I do need to be. Yes. I've got psoriasis. Yes. And I'm on Humira for yes, that. Yes. Which cured me. Yes, good on you. It's a good medication for it psoriasis. Is. Yes. Seeing it cured me, yes. I was left with urticaria. Oh, dear, dear. And okay. that's why my psoriasis, I found out that's why my psoriasis was so itchy. Oh, dear. Oh so I'm taking the Himera, plus I'm taking a load full of allergy tablets. Okay. okay. And I'm just wondering, I thought I heard you say you have something, a, a lotion or a potion Look, for urticaria? With, we were talking there about the use of, of um, a, a nettle preparation, uh, yeah. which will be a homeopathic preparation. But I would, would suggest there is a product in the marketplace now known as allergies. Write yeah. that down, allergies. Allergies. Uh, allergies. It would be available in your health food store or pharmacy. Yeah. Um, I know a lot about it. The It, it is based on a, an, an Asian formula known as minor bupleurum compound. Now, that is popularly used in naturopathic and complementary medical circles as a means of attempting to subdue established allergy type conditions okay. so if i was in your situation i would be seeking some allergies and it comes in a tablet or capsule form it's very safe very reasonably priced but again because you'll be under the treatment of a dermatologist mm -hmm. you, uh, and any uh, other medical manager that you're dealing with you should run past them okay uh, my recommendation i'm sure they will agree with it and i've seen some uh, i'm thinking of one gentleman here who, when I first saw him, was like a beetroot. It wasn't psoriasis, but it was a chronic established dermatitis. And uh, he had been treated with various medical approaches. It was only when we began to use that preparation that we began to see the sub condition start to subdue. So think of using that preparation. And, uh, and I've found also, as far as um, uh, alleviating some of the itch and the discomfort. There's a lovely combination in our pharmacies of a preparation based on menthol and pine tar. And that's a lotion. Your pharmacy would have it. I've used it myself on a little bit of eczema that I get periodically. Again, mention that to your medical managers, but it's a very well-known combination of natural substances which topically applied can sometimes ease the sorts of symptoms that you may well be experiencing. You were talking uh, about its homeopathic mm. uh, uh, Application. applications, mm -hmm. uh, but there are some herbal applications we need to have and a look I at think, too. I think this is important. Herbal preparations differ in as much that herbal preparations of stinging nettle are based on the dried herb. That's a big emphasis, emphasis here, the dried herb, and therefore some of its uses differ considerably from the homeopathic use. My starting uh, treatment for eczema always incorporates a dried herb extract of stinging nettle combined with a European herb called Heart's Ease. That combination has stood me in great stead in addressing chronic eczema. So if a gentleman or anyone presents to my practice with a chronic eczema or a dermatitis, I will prescribe, amongst other things, a liquid preparation of stinging nettle. Also, you have some people that ex experience ongoing uh, nosebleeds. Spontaneously, their nose will start to bleed. And interestingly, nettle is a medication which if taken ongoingly, that is as a preventative agent, 
is called up in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia quite positively as a, a recommendation to treat that condition preventatively by having the person taking an ongoing preparation of stinging nettle. Similarly, some ladies that experience severe flooding as they're moving through the menopause, um, maybe fibroids, maybe just part and parcel of the transit, the use of stinging nettle as a dried herbal extract is part and parcel of a medical herbalist treating a treatment of what's called menorrhagia. In other words, it has great styptic characteristics. And finally, as a dried herbal extract product, it's remarkable in addressing what's called rhinitis. And this time of the year, with so many pollens in the atmosphere, rhinitis, or what some call hay fever, uh, that is a condition that's likely to be everywhere. People have difficulty in, in breathing through the nose, constant sneezing. Rhinitis is a condition that frequently will yield to a preparation of the dried fluid extract of stinging nettle. Again, it's usually combined with other herbs, particularly herbs like golden seal, but even on its own, it's a very successful medical herbalist treatment for that common condition. Now, the final thing about it, and I know we're running out of time, but the final thing about it is... Well, I just want to pick you up on your, your hay fever do stuff, you, really? Dennis, because yeah. that's uh, that's something, like you said, it is all over the yeah, place. of course. And it's all over the place in my house all the time. Well, I again, so. I can, I can uh, vouch for its efficacy. And not only that, most, if not all, of what I say on this program, mm. I can substantiate in as much that the literature that we use in the profession today, uh, literature such as the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, reputable texts will confirm frequently from a scientific perspective why a herb works in a particular way. So the usefulness of uh, nettle preparations based on the dried herb, usually as a fluid extract or as a herbal tea, I would recommend as something useful at this time of the year for people that perennially go down with rhinitis. It's worthwhile trying. It's a good thing to do, in my opinion, if you suffer it. Now, we've been talking about stinging nettle and preparations fresh and dried based on the leaf. Ah, but there's a great and exciting use of nettle today, and that is in the treatment of prostate enlargement. And here, here, modern herbal medicine preparations, again, to a large extent spearheaded by European phytochemistry and, and phytopharmacy, they are using the root of the stinging nettle as a significant agent to lessen some of the symptoms that most men will experience during their lifetime as their prostate gland becomes enlarged. And things like nocturia, that is frequent urination at night, can be helped a lot by preparations based on stinging nettle root. Listeners would have heard me talk about the American herb known as saw palmito, and it's a great, if not the primary remedy, for prostate enlargement. But have a look on pharmacy and health food store shelves these days, and very frequently you will find that the American herb saw palmito is now being supported by the root of stinging nettle, which is called up with it for dealing with benign prostatic enlargement. A big breakthrough. So the stinging nettle, look at its use homeopathically. Look at its use herbally. And now look at the use of the root in addressing one of the most common conditions
that males will experience prostate enlargement. Dennis, we've come to the end, but uh, not a bad place to leave it. Very, very fascinating chat about Thanks. the stinging nettle. Thank you, Mark. Thank and that's you. Weeds Parts 2 done. I'll, I will take note of that. <laughs> All right, you'll be back next week with Thank another you. fantastic program, Health Naturally, with Dennis Stewart. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.